Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Uh. Happy Belching Wednesday! Happy Belching Wednesday. That was my work, ladies and probably just ladies. Ladies, I'm my brother, Michael. And occasionally my dad. Wow, it's another week. And as we told you last week, our conversation with Chris Cathard was so great. We just think he's the bee's knees. So we're going to go into part two this week. That's right. A conversation that was so fabulous, we decided to air most all of it. What's the saying? It's so nice. We did it twice. Up next, take it away, child. The tits and the shit. Okay, Ashley, tits and shits. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay, my tits are that I refound a video of Luna saying to me, you look good, bitch. And I just (laughs) listened to it four times because my shits are that I got into a knockdown, drag out argument with my child this morning that just took my whole day and it's only 148 in a different direction. And so I just decided to change it up and watch a video of my kid doing ridiculous things. Why are you on the verge of tears though? My kid is just whatever you say she has to say the opposite. That's just how she is. I forget. A contrarian. Yeah. A contrarian. Yeah. And it's too much. Every single thing is a fight. Everything. And I'm just. Yeah, I hate those phases. So incredibly exhausted and tired. And as I mentioned in the last episode, I'm a raging infectious person right now. <laughs> and it's hard enough just to deal in the world. I just am over it. And the Ukrainian situation. I and know. stress. And Lee ate pizza that I had been saving for Luna the other day. And then my <laughs> whole day was messed up because that was the lunch and then we were late and then today he FaceTimes me at school drop-off time. He knows what the school drop-off time is. He knows I was stressed to ask if he can eat one of the two rainbow bagels. I screamed at him, is this necessary? It's drop-off! You asked me about a rainbow bagel but you didn't ask about the pizza? Maybe that's why he was asking about the rainbow bagel is because he learned his lesson with the pizza. You know what? I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. I was so angry I almost texted people what I actually thought of them. I know. I want to do that so often. And then I'm like, what will this accomplish? My best friend goes, I actually do that. But that's why I think you're my only best friend. (laughs) I'm a Virgo. And you know what they say about Virgos? They just dole out honest opinions all the time and nobody wants to fucking hear it. You know what? That's our love language. It is. Look, I'm not going to lie. It's a hard thing for me to receive sometimes. You and I both kind of have like stage moms in that my mom never pushed me to be a performer or anything. But after a show, she would be like, okay, these are the things you can work on. And while most people would see that as, and I'm saying you have this mom too, because Linda will text you when we're doing a live show and be like, move your head. The thing is blocking your face. She'd be like, I don't really like that lipstick. (laughs) Right, exactly. And some people see that as cruel and you and I are like, no, this is how we function. Like I want, even if it's hard to swallow sometimes, I want to know because I want to not come off a certain way. I want to be better. I want to do better. And you need that person in your life who tells you the honest truth. So lucky for everyone, my Virgo ass is that person for you. Lots of moms just see a play and go, how did you learn all those lines? Yeah, exactly. God, my tits and shits. It's really hard for me to think straight lately. I'm trying to keep the vibe change going. I'm trying to keep with it. But I'm sorry, is it the possible nuclear war, Ukraine, COVID situation? I can't tell why you're having a hard time. Why would anybody have a hard right. time? Just the ongoing battle of being a parent with a child under five. I know we're not supposed to talk about COVID anymore because people are over it. I get it. I'm 
fucking over it too, okay? I am over it. I am over all of it. I am to the point where I just want to go full Jake Gyllenhaal, John Travolta, bubble boy, and just build a fucking bubble around my house and like not deal with anything. I'm over it. Is this Cashmere Blanket of Sadness 2 starring Chris Gethart? You know what? <laughs> There's our title. Remember that when you text me the night before and you're like, what are we calling tomorrow's episode? But God bless because that's one of our highest listened to episodes. Personally, I have nothing to complain about. I will tell you this. You know, I had like an electrician come last week and it like was a whole ordeal. We were without lights in our first floor for like two nights. So we basically like ate dinner in bed, which honestly give me less of an excuse to spend time in my bed. Normally, that would have like sent me into a tailspin. And instead, I was just like, you know what? It's not that I couldn't afford to pay my electricity bill. We can afford the roof over our head. We can afford this dinner. Life could be a lot worse. I could be in the Ukraine trying to get the fuck out, trying to survive. And all it is is I have bad wiring in my house. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. And I've really tried to take that perspective with everything. So not to make light of horrible things, but really that has dramatically helped me. And I hope this is something that I keep with me after everything has settled down and hopefully we're not all blown away in a nuclear explosion. I hope to just keep comparing my badness to real badness. That was all poorly said, but you get my notion. In other news, I'm not trying to be a bitch, but Sebastian and I are going through a very good phase right now and he's my sweet will. Don't rub it in. I know, I'm sorry. Listen, you and I are never at the same place with this. If both of us are a mess, the ship is going down. Honestly, like Momtourage will fail to exist for the week or something. Anyway, this went off the rails. Me and Sebastian were just cuddle buddies and loving on each other and he's just a sweet little boy and I'm... I'm happy for you. It's a good phase. Watch. Now when I go pick him up from school, I'm sure it'll all go to shit because I talked about it. Once you say it out loud. And it goes into the ether and somehow your kid like absorbs it into their skin and they're like, I don't have to be good anymore. <laughs> That was terrifying. Good. That was my evil child, Sam. Up next? No, I didn't do my decisions. How dare you? I thought you did. You started crying. That was last episode. No, that was this episode. I don't know anymore. Do your tits and shit. My tits are that I'm alive. My shits are that maybe Ashley skipped me, but maybe not. Maybe I'm just losing my mind. I'm sorry. I could have swore you did it. I mean, it might have been. Yeah, you went first, remember? Because I couldn't think of mine. I don't know anymore. My eyes are hot. (laughs) Next up. Chris Where are you from in New Jersey originally? I grew up in the down the hill section of West Orange. So anybody who knows Essex County knows the oranges. Yeah, I grew up in like an Irish Catholic section of West Orange. Nice. Yeah, my parents met at Seton Hall. I root hard for Seton Hall's basketball team to this day. Most of the kids in my neighborhood went to Seton Hall prep. They went to the Catholic schools. Yep. My parents met at Our Lady of Lourdes Catholic School in West Orange, and they were going to send my brother and I there. And then last second before my brother went, they were like, we hated that experience. Why would we do that? And they sent us to public school. I hated Catholic school. But I'm from an Irish Catholic, Italian Catholic family, and all the girls had to go to Catholic school. So I went to that. We were kind of the outliers in our neighborhood. A lot of it was defined by like the Catholic school experience. So between the get hard last name and being little nerds and being public school kids, my brother and I took it on the chin from some of those. It's funny, like I have a lot of love for my Irish background. I'm actually an Irish citizen. I'm tangled up in, I don't go to church anymore, but like anybody raised Catholic, I'm still kind of tangled up in the culture side of it, but man, could some of those kids be real dickhead bullies back then. I always say, like when people used to ask me, like, isn't it so upsetting when you go out to auditions and you get rejected? I was like, 
I'm serious when I say my upbringing in New Jersey was far more traumatic than any other thing that by the time I was acting and getting rejected, I was like, whatever. I was so used to being like bullied and whatever and all the things that I was just like, this is nothing. Yeah. Mason Gross alone was worse than any audition experience I've ever had. I'll tell you what, my senior year, I was like on stage all the time at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, which if you know the history of comedy in New York, that had become like the spot. So I started taking, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. There were these classes that like non-Mason Gross kids could take that would be like the intro to acting class. And it would yep. usually be taught by maybe like a Mason Gross grad student. I probably knew the person that taught Amy Kleitz was my I teacher. I know Amy Kleitz. You know Amy Kleitz. Still a Facebook friend. Of me as well. She was a master's student when I was an undergrad and she was a TA. So she taught that class. She was great. But I'd get to go in there and like, I look back now and it must've been really weird for her because I was already getting booked to do like bits on Conan O'Brien's show. Meanwhile, she's like, I can't get booked. I don't know if she <laughs> no, could. I mean, at that time, because we weren't allowed to do it. At Mason Gross, you signed a contract that said you would not pursue professional work. Oh, that's stupid. That's stupid yeah, and mean. I feel like if you're realistically teaching kids how to have a career in the arts, you should teach them cut and run for opportunities. I and know. jump on opportunities. And also not rule following. Yeah. Like, do your own thing. Not to justify, but they were trying to get talent agents and stuff to come see the shows so they would see all the kids. And it did. Like, I got scouted from one of those shows. Then I was like, the minute I graduate, I'll sign with you. So it was to try to get good for everyone, not just the one. I get it. I also feel like it's woefully unrealistic and, and I hope people... I think they've changed. They also never taught a television course or commercial course and you're like, hey, you got to do that to make that money or an improv course. I mean, all of my good jobs came after I studied with the groundlings because then improv is how you do everything. Right. And especially for commercials and all the other ground level stuff, you get your foot in the door. I've never talked with Amy. She and I have communicated on Facebook like a couple times in the 20 years since I graduated, but I feel like those classes for the TAs teaching them was just like, all right, let's take these seniors who want easy credits and get them to show confidence on stage. Like that's probably... Yeah mission accomplishing you. Meanwhile, you've got this guy who's going up on the most competitive comedy stage in New York City four times a week. And then I'm <laughs> showing up in this class and I was like a god to these people. These people in this class were like, the fuck is going on? And I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm like pretty much, I'm like halfway to being a professional comedian already. <laughs> and I will never forget, one of the greatest days of my entire life was that class had like a party at the end of class. It was like, we're all going to go, these two roommates together, everybody's going to go party at their house. And I've never realized, like I was never a confident person. And I realized like, this is turning up into a situation where all these kids are getting drunk and like everybody's trying to hook up and there's all these girls kind of looking at me and I'm like this has never happened. It was like the first time where I realized oh if you're just confident people will look to you when it comes time to choose a makeout partner. And then you're like well hell yeah I'm gonna get into comedy motherfuckers. It was very validating. It must have been so weird for Amy Kleitz to just be like this guy is going up on stage with fucking Amy Poehler in right. 2001-2002 and then coming back and her teaching me this intro to acting class but then another thing I did that you'll love, I also took an intro to modern dance class, which I took largely as a joke. And man, I don't even know why I'm going down this tangent and wasting everybody's time, but I took it with a guy named Randy James. That sounds like a porn name. It yeah. does. And I got so much better as a comedian because he's teaching, like it was no longer Physical. me. Like, yeah. Yeah. I went from being like another comedian that's like a white guy with glasses who looks like me making witty comments to all of a sudden like merging it with modern dance techniques. And it was just so eye-opening. So Tempo, negative space, positive. <laughs> 
positive space, space, all this crazy shit. My brief dalliances with my senior year joke classes and Mason Gross crossover served me really well. There was that bar that was across from Robert Wood Johnson by the train station that all the old people went. Well, every Mason Gross actor went to that old man bar. It closed the year that I graduated. And the woman, the reason why it closed is she lost it in a divorce and she gave away the bar Truly, the night it closed, we all went and she's like, anything you want is free, including furniture. And we were taking like wild turkey cases. And like, that's where I didn't hang out in College Ave. I hung out at that old man bar underneath the train tracks across from Robert Wood Johnson. God, you gotta love a woman who acts out of spite like that. Like, oof, that is great. She's like, I'm losing this to divorce. Everybody drinks for free. And we're like, fuck yeah. Oh, I love her. Let's find her. I'm not sure how I got home that night. I was hanging out at all the punk rock bars. I was at the Melody Bar and the Allen Witch, all those places and sort of a self-hating creative person who was doing improv and then all the people at the cabaret theater I would get in fights with them because I felt like they didn't respect our improv troupe that was where I was at guys I've never hung out in New Brunswick and I almost feel like I'm a North Jersey girl when I hung out I hung out in Hoboken or I went into the city we could do it classy with stage left or we could get really nasty no I don't ever want classy I want to get nasty you have missed a true rite of New Jersey passage if you have not had regrettable experience we're gonna do it. Even at high school, you guys didn't go down there just to drink under it. Oh, because Hoboken, no, you could we, just drink underage anyway. No, because we could go to anyway. the city and drink underage. Yeah, Ugh. it's true. It's true. So many hopes and dreams in a toilet. Let's go shatter some. So let's get for a second. You have a son. Yes. How old is he? And how do you think fatherhood has changed you? He turns three in April. And I think it's changed me immensely. I think at the end of the day, what it's done is it's adjusted all of my priorities in a way that I feel a lot better about. I was someone who would really fall into a trap where career all the time. Some of this being that I work in a field where if you're not accomplishing something right now, you don't know if you're ever going to accomplish something again, right? Like if you don't maintain that consistency or that stature of job, it feels very much like you're failing. I've really readjusted that. And so much is because I've realized, you know, the pandemic also hit. You think about him being two and a half. He was just about to turn one in March of 2020. He was born April 2019. And the silver lining for me was everything shut down in my industry. I got to spend so much time with him. I was there for his first steps. I was there for his first words. I was there. I have a three-year-old and Ashley is a four-year-old. So that is something we talk about a lot is how much time we've been able to spend truly in the same space as our child. But for me more specifically, because I was going to be spending a lot of that time with my son anyway, the biggest silver lining of COVID has been my husband. The amount of time that my husband has had with our son is incredible. I mean, I didn't have that as a kid. I don't think most of us had that as a kid. Our dad wasn't around because he was working. Hopefully that's the reason why. Other people, I'm sure it's other things, but like my husband and my son have like a real relationship. That probably would not have been the case without COVID. My wife said to me, mirror image of what you just said, she basically at one point pointed out to me, she goes, you know, for as stressful as this has been, scary as it's been, trying to keep him safe while balancing the fact that he kind of doesn't trust people because he's been kept away from them for most of his experience. All this stuff. She goes, you and him have a friendship and I don't think you would have had it. Because I'm lucky. You know, my career is flexible, but still just with stand-up alone, I'm often gone. 
on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just entirely. Yeah. I'm often in the city doing shows. All that got taken away. And she pointed out, like, you and him have a friendship that I don't think you would have developed yet. And it reminded me of a conversation with my dad. So much of my life the past three years has been reconsidering the actions of my father. Things that I'd ever understood, things that maybe frustrated me. And my dad's a great dad, but he was a workaholic. He was not around a lot. There's been a very strange, funny thing where my dad will say things to my wife that he would never say to me. And he once said to her, one of my only regrets is I wish that I spent more time with my sons growing up. He'd never say that to me or my brother. Mm. Like it just would never come out of his mouth. And my wife said that about Cal and I having this friendship. It made me realize I had a conversation with my dad only within the past year or two, where at one point he talked about, I have an older brother, but whenever my parents moved, my dad would call me and I'd drive out from the city when I was living there and I'd help my dad move. And I'd always loved that. For some reason, like moving furniture and lifting boxes, I just have always enjoyed it. And my dad was like, yeah, I realized like your brother's fine with it, but like you were into it and I always would call you. And I said, yeah. And I go, I have fond memories too. Cause I feel like when you guys were moving and you used to call me to come help out, I was like, that's the first time I remember feeling like I could let my guard down around you. And like you and I were friendly, like having friend conversations. And my dad looked so hurt. And he was like, you were like in your mid twenties. I was like, yeah. Thank God it happened at all. That's what I say when my dad's always like, I can't believe it. I'm like, listen, let's just be happy it happened at all. Yeah. But I remember those were the first times where like he'd curse in front of me, where like we'd be carrying something heavy and he'd be like, ah, fucking son of a bitch, you know? Or like, I remember one time moving and I'd been on a date the night before and I was all tired. He's like, you're kind of worn out. I was like, yeah, I was out with a girl. He's like, oh yeah. And I was like, oh, we're having bro time. (laughs) Me and my dad are having bro time. This has never happened. But my dad was the best, but spent a lot of time being nervous around him as a kid. He was tired. Guy worked himself to the bone. Yeah. I didn't want to mess up, you know? Did you feel nervous or tentative? Because I did about having a baby, knowing that my mental health and my family's mental health, I was so afraid for so long of carrying on that gene. And now I have a different feeling about it. Now I'm like, well, I might carry the gene, but I have tools now of how to deal with it and not deal with it, but thrive in it. And those tools I got from literally 30 years of therapy. And that's kind of what made me decide I could have a kid. Because I was like, listen, my anxiety, my depression, my suicide attempts have made me the person I am today. And I love me. I just wish I had the tools back then to be able to deal with it a little better the way that I do now. And that's what I want to impart to my kid. Yeah. It's exactly what this new book is all about. The whole first section of the book is me talking about this birthing class I was in. And a lot of it is me like making fun of the birthing class, frankly. And like we're sitting on yoga balls and we're learning meditation techniques. And I'm like pretty certain this is not the real experience of this. And here's this other dad was acting crazy and this and that. And then leads up to this moment that was really, really truthful where the teacher had us at one point sit down across from our partners, in my case, my wife, and say just three things that you're hopeful about in terms of this kid and three things you're scared of. And the first words out of my mouth were, I am so scared he's going to wind up being like me, which is a miserable thing to say about your kid. It was sad to say. And as I heard myself say it and watched my wife's face, I was just like, man, it's really true. Like, But the idea of this theoretical little human suffering in this way and feeling this loneliness that I know well and feeling this desperation that I know well, it's just like rocks me to my core. So I wrote this whole piece about how to reconcile that. And I'm no expert and it's really just written for personal experience. And it's pretty funny, even though it's about something so dark, but. Right, everything's funny. Well, everything is funny. If you're funny. Well, listen, we're all North Jersey Catholics. It's well, like, I'm a Jew, if that helps. Well, when you said half Cuban, I figured, I mean, if you're half Cuban, half Jewish, right? Th- I mean, you got more anxiety than I do, God bless you. Yes. Oh, I got I got all kinds of anxiety, all kinds of guilt. Attachment all issues. Woo. Boundaries. Yeah, a 
attachment. Like, there's a lot. I can't even imagine. You know? Yeah, and I got real pissed off too. Connections back to a currently oppressed motherland on top of all the other shit the rest of us have to deal with. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and anti-Semitism. Can't even go pray anywhere. You know, like it's. Look at that. I'm just fucked, man. Yeah, but yeah, that's what the whole book's about. It's just kind of like you know, I kind of looked around and said like, where is this conversation at? And I realized like, I think especially for dads, like there's not much about like dads are supposed to be the stoic ones historically and like our generation was raised on like tough dads who accomplished stuff at work and set a good example and I'm like I don't really want to be that being that has driven me to the brink of fucking death and madness so how do I be a dad where I still feel like I'm checking all the boxes that I want to be how do I embrace the fact that to survive I've had to just become more vulnerable as a guy that I've had to be more open about my problems that I've had to admit my flaws and faults and failings and how do I make those positives for my son and not negatives. You really touched on something for me because as the mother, firstly, I'm an only child. I didn't grow up around a lot of guys. I had my dad who is, to begin with, a nice, sensitive man. Mark is sensitive. Mark is so good. Yes, he's a very nice man. But I feel a responsibility in raising a white man now. Teaching him it's okay to be sensitive, teaching him it's okay to have his feelings, to actually allow him to act out those feelings in a healthy, respectful of others way. It's a task that I think about all the time. And we were talking about this yesterday. And there are some times where I'm like, it's okay for you to be upset. I know you're upset with me. I get it. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. I'm doing what I have to do as your mother because that's my job to keep you safe. And then there are other times where he just is having a moody, sensitive day and he just cries and cries. And I find myself being like, relax. It's not worth all of this. And then I go down this spiral of, okay, was that the wrong thing? Did I just teach him that he shouldn't be crying? Like, it's such a mind fuck having a little boy at this point because I feel such an immense responsibility. And I think that's good. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that we're all like nervous and confused about how to navigate this side of things is a sign of progress. And one of the things that I wrote in this piece is like, I think we are of the first age that really did start talking about this stuff openly with ourselves. And now I think we are starting to all realize that also means we're going to be the first generation of parents that are having this conversation from a perspective where we help destigmatize the entire conversation. Mm, Absolutely. Partially, not completely, not for everybody, but way more than our youth. Like, I think that if my kid winds up seeing a shrink in elementary school, the other kids will not be making fun of him for it because a lot of them will be in the same boat. And I think if teachers overheard you making fun of a kid for seeing a shrink now, there'd be all kinds of meetings about that and your parents would be getting called. And I hope- You know, it's interesting being a parent now in so many, like someone will say like, oh, Sebastian, do you have a girlfriend at school? Or we have a joke, we call it family bed. And that's when the three of us, me and my husband, my son, and then the dogs are in bed all together and we're just chilling and relaxing. And we'll say like, oh, Sebastian, we're going to do family bed forever. You could just bring your wife in. And then I'll catch myself and be like, or your husband or whatever the situation is. And people older than us have issues with that. They'll be like, why are you putting those thoughts in his head? And I'm like, I'm not. I just want him to know that whatever the fuck he is, he is okay. He is accepted. He is loved. And our generation is offering that to our children. And I know that other people see that as inventing, putting things in their head, but really how lovely is it to grow up knowing that you're loved unconditionally? As long as you don't fucking kill somebody or do something horrible, you're loved. Or as my mom says, if you killed somebody, there better have been a good reason. Right. (laughs) How lucky our kids are to have that in every way from parents who talk about mental illness stigmas to being openly in therapy, letting them know they're 
accepted whatever the hell path they go on in life, I really do think our kids are in a good place. They may be very sensitive and they all might do comedy like Jimmy on South Park in the future, you know, the COVID episodes where he's like Jimmy Fallon, but all his jokes are really PC and lovely. <laughs> Have you guys seen that? No. Oh, you should. Also, I'm trying to remember when I was in therapy in seventh grade, did I tell anyone? Probably not. I don't think I did. Yeah, that was to be kept behind closed doors. Yeah, that therapist was terrible, but it was somebody. So you don't yeah. talk about those things. Let's play a game. I'm into it. It's called New Jersey or Nowhere. So we're just going to ask you New Jersey-esque questions and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Okay. All right. Ashley, I would also love to hear your answers as well. And yours, friend. You mentioned this. I knew this. Favorite weird New Jersey location or folklore? Ooh. Well, historically, as an Essex County guy, there was an abandoned mental hospital, like the border of Verona, North Caldwell, and Cedar Grove. And we used to sneak up there. We called it the bin, like Looney bin. And I used to sneak up there in high school a whole bunch. And it was like so, so scary. And it's all knocked down now. But historically, I got to say the Overbrook Mental Hospital was, it's so wild that all of us were sneaking into an actual abandoned mental hospital. And there were so many of them all over the state. This Halloween, Ashley and I almost did a show. We were toying with it. Recorded an episode at a abandoned loony bin. And then I chickened out because I was like, I'm too scared. I'm scared. I don't want to do it. You guys will be happy to hear like in the book. So I had a pretty bad breakdown in September of 2020, as many people did. I was so bummed because I was like, man, I've been so on top of my shit. Now my kid is seeing me like this. And we had moved back to Jersey. We bought our house January 2020. And I hadn't looked up. Where are you guys, by the way? We're in In Morris County. Okay. And I looked up like, where's the nearest mental hospital to see which one I would be going to if I had to go to one. And I was like, no, not Greystone. I've broken into the abandoned parts of that one. That's one of the scariest ones, motherfucker. I'm like, that's a very Jersey experience of like, in high school, you break into the abandoned half of a hospital. And then in your 40s, you are a patient there. I was like, not Greystone. That one's so scary. I've been there. I highly recommend there's a private one in Maryland that is so good. It's called Shepherd Pratt. That's the one you want to go to. That sounds fancy. That sounds like it's for fancy people. James Taylor went there. That sounds Ooh. like insurance doesn't cover it. That's literally is so beautiful. I remember reading Weird New Jersey in high school, like my friend bringing it and being like, what is this? This is amazing. And I don't think, I know New York has it, but do other states have that? Well, now they're copying because it was so successful. Yeah, when I worked there, they got contracted to do a whole book series about, they wound up covering most of the states. I actually wrote Weird New York and co-wrote a bunch of their other stuff. I mean, that was the best job I will ever have. That's my dream job. It was the best job I ever had. If I had gotten that job when I was 27 instead of when I was 19, I would have kept that job forever. I love cryptozoology. I love haunted shit. I love urban legends. It's like my dream. I'm personally a Jersey Devil fan because it's Pine Barrens, close to where I'm from. And everyone I know has a Jersey Devil story, including my extremely straight-laced on-the-spectrum stepfather who thinks that the Jersey Devil licked his feet while he was doing a camping trip and he's very tall and they were sleeping in the truck overnight and he's 6'4 and he had to stick his feet out the door of the car, the window, and he thinks his feet were licked by the Jersey Devil. I love that. If you saw my stepdad, if you knew my stepdad, I'm like, well, it has to be true because my stepdad is like not the kind of person that makes shit up. He is not. He has four master's degrees and two PhDs. He doesn't make shit up. He is based in logic. Yes. I love that. Okay. 
Jersey Shore, accurate depiction of people from New Jersey or insulting? Very layered. It's complicated. It is complicated. First of all, many of the cast members of that show are not from New Jersey. Correct. Many are also not Italian. Yeah. What I'll say, though, is... So I'm offended. Well, I went to high school in North Jersey. The thing is, like... It's people who visit that part of New Jersey. Nah, but there were people like that in West Orange High. Those people are real. They're around. I think making a show... Like True Life, I Got Calf Implants. That's my favorite True Life. <laughs> it's the best. The best one. The precursor to the Jersey Store series what was the True Life, Life with that guy, Tommy Cheeseballs, who got in a fight on the boardwalk about cheeseballs, yep. which is one of the yep. great Jersey things of all time. What I wouldn't give to sit down this afternoon and watch both those episodes of True Life. It was such a fucking slam dunk True Life. Oh, True Life. And then if they had a Cribs afterwards, so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially another great Jersey moment. If you ever watch the Red Man Cribs, where he takes them to his, not his like main house, but his just flop house in Newark, where there's like dirty socks all over the place and like just random dudes playing PlayStation. And it's the fact that Red Man just took them to like his crash pad in Newark is one of the best things. <laughs> it's so funny. It's perfect. But yeah, Jersey Shore is real. Those people are real. I can admit it. I went to school with a lot of them. I'm from another Jersey Shore, which is South Jersey. And we're going to get to some questions based on South, North, Mid. It's very different. All I can say is, as somebody who watches Housewives of New Jersey, Teresa's daughters are very Jersey Shore. And Gia's boyfriend was on Watch What Happens Live. And he had the Polly D blowout. And my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, people are still doing this? We're still doing this here? I feel like it's real. All that stuff's real. I think the thing that's such a bummer for all of us who are from here and who love it here is like, you could point a camera at the most ridiculous things about things and people from other states and people wouldn't just immediately write off the entirety of that state. And that does happen here a little too much where it's like- They think everything's exit 13 on the turnpike. That's what they think. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, like everybody who's grown up in Jersey has seen like Guido's get into a random fist fight in a diner parking lot. Of course. That's what makes Jersey the best. It is. The 98% of us who aren't the Guido's fist fighting in a parking lot understand how ridiculous that is. And like- Disco fries and Nissan Altima souped up. It's great. And it's like, yeah, did all of us go to Seaside after our senior proms and that's like the first place you ever got a hand job? Yeah. But like- I went to Great Adventure after prom. Also gave a hand job and saw the Goo Goo Dolls play. Oh, that's a perfect Jersey night. That is such a Jersey late 90s situation. Was it late 90s you were in high school? Yes. Yeah. Also, all of my proms were at casinos. Love that. Catholic school. Nuns could gamble while we were trying to give hand jobs on the dance floor. Love it. Well, it's good they were occupied somehow. I feel like I know this one, but Taylor Ham or Pork Roll? Well, being an Essex County guy, it's Taylor Ham. Yeah. Pork Roll all the way for me. Yeah. I remember the first time I had it, it was not something I grew up with. Even once I moved here, my parents were never Taylor Ham Pork Roll people. Have you had Scrapple? I had it when I started dating Matt. His dad introduced me to it. A lot of these things, like, I feel like I'm in a weird part of North Jersey and because I grew up in this strange part where it's like you're basically in Manhattan. Right, and Pork Roll and Scrapple are a Philly situation, which is why South yeah. Jersey was my... I didn't get a lot of these experiences and it really pisses me off about my Jersey dumb. Yeah, I've never had Scrapple either. That's like a Philly South Jersey thing. Yeah. Though. You shouldn't. It's lips and assholes. I wouldn't recommend it. It's delicious, though. It's delicious. Favorite New Jersey team mascot? Favorite New Jersey team mascot? Oh, the Seton Hall Pirate probably Pirate. is. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the New Jersey Devil, obviously. But yeah, I do enjoy the Seton Hall Pirates and I think that little dancing pirate does a good job out there at the halftime at the games at the Rocks. I'll go with the Seton Hall Pirate. Ashley and I are big. Gritty. I'm gritty sorry. Fans. I know he's not really Jersey, but I love Gritty. I feel like there's a pronounced South Jersey bias to this entire podcast. I'm not from South Jersey. You've now given big ups to both Gritty and Scrapple under the context of a Jersey conversation, though. 
Let us redeem ourselves. Let us redeem ourselves with yes. the next one. Okay. Is the roundabout genius or bullshit? Oh, it's genius. I agree. I 100% agree. Okay. Have you ever been to DJ's or the Parker House? I don't think I have been to either one, but I will say that the I believe it's the Parker House. My friend is one of the people who does the New Jersey podcast with me. He realized that they list the names on their waiting list for VIP membership on their website, and it's the best, funniest thing in the world. It's just all nicknames. It's just- Oh, I have to look. It's like Joey One Toe. Oh, it's exactly like that. It, it oh is. Oh my God. It's probably all my family members, the Italian side who live in Red Bank, who all have names like that. We're like, Dom, Little Dom, Big There's Dom, There's no donut. actual human names on it. It's all just like, <laughs> flock a man. All right, favorite bagel and slice in the state. Now you're killing me. Slice specifically instead of just pie? No, it could well, be pie. Pie is fine. Well, I like the Mad Hatter. That's mid to North Jersey. That's my favorite pie. I love that to you. That's North Jersey. I said central to North. I'm a South Jersey girl. It's like I get it. New Brunswick was North to me. To me, I was so weirded out that I was going to school in South Jersey when I went to New Brunswick. Listen, I got to say best pizza. I got to go Star Tavern in Orange. I do like that pizza. That's good pizza. It shows up on all the best lists. And that was like my family's neighborhood pie growing up. I mean, Star Tavern and Jimmy Buffs are right next to each other. And that was right where my mom grew up and where I grew up. Yeah, Star Tavern's no joke. I'll tell you what, bagel, I'm really excited. I'm a big fan of Pete Genovese and Jeremy Schneider, who are the food writers at The Ledger. So all those food lists, they're generally the ones putting them together. They're about to publish their bagel list. But there's one not too far from me. There's a place called The Bagel Bin in Bernardsville oh. that I've started going to. It's a, a little bit of a drive from my house, but it's old school and real cheap. And those bagels, they're just done in like the old school style. And I really like them. My favorite pizza place is a place in Union City. It is called De Palma's. And I just think it is such a solid. Is that where we had the stuff for Sebastian's birthday? Yes. Oh, so good. Yes. It's just like solid Italian food. Like the pizza is like perfectly done, thin crust, nice oily marinara. Everything is good. Also got to say, if you haven't been to Santillo's in Elizabeth, that place is. This is a pizza place where you walk down a driveway and go through the side door of what looks like a house and there's just a guy with a pizza oven in there. Oh no, that oh my God. Well, that sounds go amazing. There. And he sells his pizza. They're all named after years. So you'll order like the 1973 and it'll be, this is the style of pie that was most popular oh, back then. Oh, that's awesome. I love all everything good. about this. It's all good. Santillo's. I get this name wrong every time. I'm like, it's called Landslides or something like that. I'm looking it up, but let's move on to the next question while I try to figure out what this damn fucking pizza place is okay. called. Okay. I saw it on some Food Network show like the other day. This is in the orange. It's right by her friend Danny Sauce. I will find it. Give me a second. The Reservoir? Reservoir. Thank you. It's South Orange. Yeah, South Orange. Yeah, that's some good pizza here. Yeah. Anyway. If you could pick just one thing New Jersey is known for, what would it be? Okay, clarification. Am I trying to pick the thing that I wish Jersey was most known for or that I think Jersey is most known that for? That you wish. Oh, what a good question because it's so broad. Yeah. I know, hard question. I don't have an answer to be completely honest. I don't know. I guess it's a little bit of a cliche answer, but for people of our generation, Bruce Springsteen was our dad's music. I don't feel like it was beloved. We were all like way too into Guns N' Roses and then we all got into punk rock and everybody was like, Bruce Springsteen, man, those songs are too long and slow. And then we all grew up and realized that Bruce Springsteen's fucking awesome. And there's been a big resurgence amongst people my age. And I got to say, like, I know it's a cliche answer, but especially as you get older and have kids, those songs just take on more and more meaning. Once you start to grow up and realize like, oh, I've achieved a bunch of my dreams and there's some I'm just not going to get to. I've solved some of my problems and some of them I'm not going to be able to solve. Those lyrics just really kill you. So I do think like if you just print out the lyrics to Thunder Road, like that really, I know that it's easy to say because it's one of the best songs of all time, but like it just takes on more and more meaning. I think the older you get around this state, you just know a lot of 
people from your life who remind you of the characters from that song. And there's lines in that song that just ring more and more true the older I get. So I think that... That's a very good answer. On that same vein, I really need to start a letter writing campaign because goddamn, that Bon Jovi got a rest stop named after him I before know. Bruce. Well, it's I heard really... Bruce turned it down. Oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense. Why? I'll just go ahead and say this. Bon Jovi's good. He's fine. He's an ambassador for the state. You don't change the name of the cheesequake. It was the cheesequake. Cheesequake. It'll always be the cheesequake. Always going to be the cheesequake. I'm not calling that the John Bon Jovi and nor will my son. He will always know in his heart that that is the cheesequake. When my mom watches my daughter a lot, especially during COVID because we didn't have a babysitter. My mom lives in South Jersey and we live in Montclair. Even when I lived back in Brooklyn, we would meet at Cheesequake. Cheesequake's our rest stop where we do a pass off of child, dog, whatever. And now I'm like, have to be like, I'm not calling it the John Bon Jovi. I'm telling you that much. Yeah, you can't. Now you're in Montclair and we were talking food. I mean, that's one of the great food hubs of the entire state. You got to be in heaven down there. You got Applegate Farms for your ice cream. So that's no joke. It's walking distance from my house. Wait, like the brand in Whole Foods, they have a ice cream thing or is that a different brand? I think it's different. Oh, okay. Applegate Farms is like a little farmhouse ice cream stand and it's great. They also have a CSA out of there. It's adorable. It's right oh. on Grove Street. It's the best. It's great ice cream. Huh. I also would like for New Jersey to be known for its diversity. I think it's both diverse in things to do and diverse in the people that are living there. Like one of the reasons why we wanted to move to New Jersey was from the city instead of like say upstate New York or Connecticut or whatever is that it wasn't diverse kids in the classroom. And I want my kid to know all the ethnicities, all of the religions, all the whatever. And New Jersey does have a lot of diversity. Yeah. And you know what? I want to echo that and say part of the diversity of Jersey is types of people. Part of it is economic diversity. And there's a really great quality about people from Jersey that comes out of it, which is that when you grow up here, like I grew up in a town called West Orange. It's one of the most diverse places you'll ever find. West Orange High School had diversity in the 90s that people wish they could find today. And I saw all the great aspects of that. I saw the tough aspects of that, especially in unenlightened times back then. But what you learn in this state is that the reason I think people from this state are such great ambassadors because the Jersey Shore thing is people make fun of that. But then when you travel, you very often find people going, oh, some of the best people I've ever met in my travels are Jersey people. And I think here's why. It's like when you grow up here, you learn really quickly that one of the most important gifts you can give to another human being is you always afford other people dignity. And it's because you're just around, like, I don't know anything about your situation, Ash, but I know you're in Union City. That means you're within a 10 minute drive of unbelievable waterfront million dollar condos. You're also within a 10 minute drive of projects where people are on food stamps. You're within a 10 minute drive of big enclaves of Asian immigrants up in the Fort Lee area. You're within a 10-minute Indian immigrants. People in Jersey City. You're right there near North Bergen and there's people in North Bergen living very, very different than a lot of people who have moved to Hoboken in recent years. Jersey City alone, you've got areas that were terrifying when I was a youth. Jersey City still has some very tough areas, has some areas that the Harrison Path train station alone, the difference between that now and then. What happens in this state though is you quickly learn like I was in a lunchroom, I can say this, my hand to God without exaggeration, there were kids driving brand new BMWs the day they got their license in my lunchroom. There were also kids who had moved from Haiti six months prior who were on food assistance and we're all in the same lunchroom. Now, I think that in the 90s, that conversation could have been handled a lot better and to everybody's benefit. I think it's probably being handled to everybody's benefit a lot better now is the sense I get. But what you learn is if you're going to survive in this state, everybody gets dignity when we are at our best. The best people from New Jersey know how to not 
not judge the person on food stamps for being on food stamps and they know how to coexist and not be mad at the billionaire's kid for being a billionaire's kid. And when we are at our best in this state, everyone knows how to just afford everybody else basic dignity. What happens is people from New Jersey know how to talk to everybody and know how to extend dignity to everybody. And I'll stop rambling, but just to say, I think that's why New Jersey's diversity is such a beautiful thing to point out because I think we lead the charge on that conversation because it's so dense here and we have been figuring out diversity in a very real way for so long. And I think we are a positive example of what it can lead to when we're at our best. And that was such a wonderful, succinct answer. It is the answer I have sought out for years and years and years. If you can refine that to like one line, you have got a fucking A plus t-shirt there. Yeah. Some airbrusher on the Jersey Shore is going to take that and boil it down and make a mint. I know. Yep. Then it's going to be in every rest area that you can find. What is your favorite Jersey boardwalk? I'm going to say the most Jersey sentence I have in my arsenal, which is growing up, my friend Lenny's aunt had a house down at Point Pleasant. That's just about as Jersey as it gets. And I've always loved Point Pleasant because I feel like it's got all the rides and the arcades and the mayhem of the Jersey Shore, but it's not past the crazy tipping point that wild wooden seaside are. So I've always loved Point Pleasant as far as a boardwalk goes. Quick check or Wawa? Oh, see, I grew up a Krausers guy, but Krausers has greatly diminished. I see more quick checks around where I am. There's not really a Wawa within spitting distance of here, although I do have a lot of love for Wawa. I grew up with quick check too, but Wawa is fucking amazing. And even mm-hmm. their Philly cheesesteak is good at Wawa. Their breakfast sandwiches are good too. Wawa is really, I mean, I just need a Wawa around me because I- We have a Krausers, but no Wawa here in Montclair. I grew up going to Wawa on the way to high school every day. Get my coffee, drink it in first period, you know, the way you do. How do you feel about not pumping your own gas? I love not pumping my own gas. Fucking amazing! What does anyone have an issue with this? Hand somebody a credit card in the cold winter days and then you roll your own window back up and you turn your own music back on and you enjoy it. Yell your zip code. Last one. Favorite New Jersey crime or murder or scandal? Ooh. I mean, there's so much to choose from. So many. Star Ledger just did a fucking awesome article about the John List murders from Westfield, which for people of my age, rocked us. I just heard there's a Netflix series coming out about a guy who grew up in West Orange in my mom's neighborhood named Charles Cullen. He's not at the top of everybody's list when it comes to knowledge and true crime, but he was a nurse who started murdering his patients. He was from my neighborhood. He murdered- Like an angel of death. He probably killed over 400. But like out of sympathy or just like because he wanted to murder people? I think he, in a way, probably thought he was like putting dogs down, but I think he also was like weirdly getting off on it. His name was Charles Cullen, and that was a really popular last name in the uh, down the hill neighborhood of West Orange. And my mom grew up right around the block from Charles Cullen, so he's coming into the spotlight soon. The angel of death, Mm -hmm. like anybody from West Orange, doesn't get the spotlight he deserves. Chris, this has been like the most fun conversation I think we've had on the show in such a long time. We've really enjoyed this. I just want to go have a slice with you. I know. Well, let's do it. Yeah. Truly, if you want a Cuban tour. Well, I tell you what, I went vegetarian a few years ago. Mm, but Not a whole lot in Cuban food for that. I got to <laughs> ask you about this though, because I used to work for a company that was Miami-based and I was once down in Miami and they gave me these guava pastries, these uh-huh. like Cuban Bastelito. guava pastries. They got to have those. Oh, we got them all over the right? place. Yeah, I can show yeah, you the good I've ones for that. I've been looking for those. I've been looking for those since I was in Miami. Pastelito 
de guava y queso, which is cheese and guava. There's regular just guava. There's just cheese. There's meat. You can't eat that. Are you vegan or no, are I you doing cheese? cheese? I eat cheese and So eggs. you can do the Good. cheese, but okay. you won't do the meat. Come around. I'll take you to the places. Hey, before we stop recording, can you plug yourself? Tell everyone where to get your books, where all the things you want to promote. All the shows, all the Go podcasts. Just like- sure. I'm always chrisgeth.com, chrisgeth on Instagram, chrisgethard on Twitter, and New Jersey is the world podcast, the beautiful anonymous podcast. And then as far as the book goes, you can actually, I don't understand their business model, but you can just go to try.scribd.com slash gethard60. They give you two months and you can just go get it for free. You can read it or listen to it. I saw that. So yeah, it's a part of this thing called Scribd, which they've been very kind to me. And they're just like, just tell people to come sign up and listen for free. And I mean, it says right on the site, like unsubscribe anytime. I don't totally understand how you make money by telling people to just sign up, listen for free, and they're welcome to unsubscribe anytime, but you can go listen to it for free and you might like it. Nice. We're going to have to come see your podcast taping live. Oh yeah. I do that once a month in Asbury Park. Yeah. New Jersey is the world live and I'm always doing comedy live too. Because my son's not vaccinated, we've canceled all my touring until May, but I've got like 20 cities coming up this year and those are all at chrisgeth.com. Well, if you need somebody to sell t-shirts, just give us a call. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Hashtag swag bag. Guys, I'm going to get bougie with my hashtag swag bag. Hashtag swag bag, Chanel nail polish longwear top coat. Oh, just the top coat? Well, I'm trying their longwear colors too, but I had previously not had the gel top coat because it was on back order. So I might talk about the colors too, but the colors alone with just another gel top coat didn't do it for me. When I did the Chanel gel top coat, along with the long wear gel nail polish, it worked. I mean, I can shout them out both, but I think the top coat really made the difference. Okay. I UV'd it, but you don't have to UV it. I have like a little mini UV light. Right. You don't have to. And it's a gel long wear top coat. It is expensive, but honestly, like I do my own nails. I'm not going to a salon. It's not any pricier than if you went to a salon and you got a manicure. You guys know how I feel about my nail obsessions. I have another one that I'm trying today and a different situation with the nails and I'll tell you about it. I also, I love the thing you got me and I've had my nails bare, but I decided to paint them. I'll let you know about the other thing, which is about nail art. But in the meantime, Chanel longwear gel top coat. Beautiful. I think I may have done this before, but I don't think I got into the specifics of it. I am going to do the Yes to Watermelon Light Hydration Super Fresh Jelly Mask. It certainly is a mouthful. My friend Jill started using that with her new face as well. Yes. We've talked about the new face extensively, so much so our editor texted me and was like, hey, I really think I should get the new face for Dorothy and I. Send me a link. And I did. You're welcome, new face. Do the right thing. The thing is, I don't have a feeling about the new face gel either way. The gel stuff that you have to put on to use the new face, it is fucking expensive and I don't let it sink in. I don't like the way it feels. It feels like a gel mask. So I rinse it off. And I'm also super weird about leaving things on my skin to make sure that I don't break out. So I saw a TikTok from a woman that was like a shopper for a magazine or something. And she suggested this mask and it's like three to five dollars on Amazon. A little goes a long way. It lasts well. It does plump up my skin. I really, really like the effects and it's so much cheaper. Universe, the only thing we want plumped is our skin and our boobs. Yep. That's it. Just so you know, don't put it out there. Nothing else plump, please. You mean like our bellies or our asses? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For real. And our lips. But the new face does give me a little lip flip when I use it religiously. So yeah, yes to watermelon light hydration, super fresh jelly mask. You won't regret using this. 
redness instead of the new face. You know what else gives you a lip flip? A nose job. There I said it. That makes sense. Yeah. And a permanent one, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, it's been real. We love you. Bye. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Herring-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or mamadramaband.com. 